0: Okay, so before we get started, my first question for you is going to be, last week we talked about your adventures buying an Apple Watch, and so in light of the fact that, like I told you it was going to happen, Apple just introduced brand new Apple Watches, are you regretting your decision?
1: Okay, so this is so hard because yes and no. As I watched the Apple event, I was overwhelmed and excited about all the new features, like the ECG, the fall detection. I think it's so wild that it can measure your VO2 max. Um, the face customizations that can like match what you're wearing. That's crazy. I mean, this te- technology is it's nuts. It's a solo loop. I'm not sold on that because I don't know that it will like, I'm imagining like an Apple watch band that can automatically conform to your wrist. And I don't know. And they come in different sizes. The fitness plus seemed really cool and the family setup. But then I started thinking, okay, this is going to, I know what I use my watch for now. And this is going, if I get the new one, it's going to possibly lead to an obsession or an analysis paralysis of what kind of face watch I want. I mean, you can literally have a face watch for um, if you are like you used to be um, or maybe still are a photographer or if you're into sailing for whatever you want. And I have been, I've had the same face watch for years because I know what I want out of it. Um, And then it also made me think like, is the watch becoming too overwhelming? Like, like our phones or will it make our phones obsolete at some point like we won't need it we'll just have some kind of like vr technology where we can see the person in thin air and we don't even need to carry it around a phone anymore um, so yes and no
0: so you you have questions or something? yes
1: the only, the only thing i started thinking about was like i told my kids i got a new apple watch when i showed them and my son was like oh man can i have your old one and i was like well you can but the screen is broken (laughs) but so but now i'm like oh i could give this one to my son for his birth his birthday it's two days away from christmas so i'm like i could gift this to him but i'm not sure he'd be on board with the rose gold um aluminum (laughs) case but he might probably not but yeah i am definitely interested in the new one it's The features are are crazy cool, but I don't know if I would actually use them all or if I want to use them all.
0: All right. Sorry, long, super long answer. That's okay. (laughs) So you are listening to the 29 Steps podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jason Ayton, and I'm here with my co-host.
1: I'm Jess Pingree. I am a crazy cat lady with a little bit of a writing problem.
0: So let's talk about that. I think we should spend a little bit of time and unpack some of the stuff that you just said for those people who are listening. But before we do that, I have two follow-ups. I think we're going to... Actually, as we started to, to like plan the things that we would talk about today, I realized that the list of things I wanted to follow up on from last week was longer than the new topics. And <laughs> so I think, well, every week, just going to have to have a little follow-up section. And the first one I realized... I did a really poor job of explaining was the name of this podcast, 29 steps, because I explained it as being my morning commute. So obviously people who drive to work, although many of them are not doing that right now, which is kind of the point of this podcast. But if you're driving to work, you might have like a 30 minute or 30 minute commute, right? Or an hour long commute on the train or whatever. My commute is 29 steps. That's the distance between my bed in my desk and usually that even includes a brief stop for coffee and so because I've worked from home for so long one day I just measured what is my commute I had some friends were talking about like oh I have to drive an hour and a half to work and I thought that's insane right I literally walk 29 steps and so that just became the name of the podcast there wasn't anything any more creative than that but I really felt like I did a poor job of explaining that last week the second thing I feel like I did a disservice to was Woot. I explained it last week as sort of like being a cross between Craigslist and Amazon. But really, it's more like a discount like deal site, right? It's kind of like Groupon and Amazon more than anything yeah. else, except for it's like you can go on. And, and I actually linked to the Apple Watch Series 3. On Woot in last week's show notes, and then realized you actually can't buy a Series Three right now because they only have certain amount. It's kind of like Home Goods or TJ Maxx, but online, right? They have like a limited supply of things, and so I just wanted to clear that up because somebody sent me a message and said, "Dude, you obviously have no idea what Woot is," and I (laughs) had to admit that that was true. So I had to look it up, and so Woot is pretty cool. Like uh, I wanted to clarify those things. So, okay, but they are an Amazon company, so it's at least as legit as an Amazon company gets. And the trade off is they only have certain numbers of things, and you have to wait, wait like,
1: longer, a while for them. But to I think so. that delayed gratification is a sign of evolution, so
0: except <laughs> for that you didn't delay your gratification long enough to get one of the new watches. So that was a very good segue. So, let's talk <laughs> first of all about exactly what. Apple. So we're recording this on Wednesday. So yesterday Apple had an event. Everyone was expecting it to be the iPhone 12 event, but it wasn't. Instead, they introduced two new Apple watches, updates to the iPad and the iPad Air. They introduced a fitness subscription service and an all-in-one bundle service that you could pay one monthly fee and get like your Apple Music Apple TV, your iCloud storage, you can add the fitness and more iCloud storage in Apple News, share it with your family, all that kind of stuff. But let's talk first about those two watches. So obviously you bought a Series 3, which was a big upgrade from the Series 1 that you kept breaking.
1: Yes, but you know what? I'm using it the exact same way I used a Series 1. And so I realized I'd probably need to do some Google searching on like the best series three features because I'm really not using it for anything different. The battery life is longer. I sleep with it on now rather than charging it. Usually I just charge it like when I'm in the shower. Uh, and I got one of those plastic covers that goes over it, but I took it off because it was really bugging me. So now it might be just as susceptible to breaking. I don't
0: know. <laughs> yeah. You sent me a picture of your watch with, thing on it and it reminded me of when you get a new phone and it has the film yeah over the screen i took it off yesterday
1: and like what's the point of the watch being waterproof if you're just going to get water under the stupid little protector and have to take it off and clean every time so yeah i'm done with that seven dollars wasted
0: uh (laughs) okay now that's good um so first of all apple introduced the series six which is the upgrade to the series five so that's like their flagship Apple watch in the past. They've always also sold like you can still buy a series three and before the event, you could still buy a series three and that was sort of like the low cost version. I think they were selling it for 199 bucks. They're still selling it for 199 bucks. They upgraded the series five to the series six. The series six has a couple of cool features. You mentioned some of them. It now has a pulse ox sensor. So it will measure your blood oxygen level. It has a brighter always-on display. So the Series 5, and I think that was the thing that most people really liked about the Series 5, is that it had the always-on display. I have a Series 4, so I do not have the always-on display. But from what I can tell, it's one of those things where once you have it, you never want to go back because it's very convenient to have your watch So it means like,
1: always on. I wonder how that affects battery life because. Yes.
0: So basically what they do is it's dimmer, but you can always see it. So, you know, the, the struggle is like you lift your watch up and most of the time it turns on, but sometimes it doesn't. But with the always on display, you just have to glance at it and you can see your watch face. But any sensitive complications, like if you have a calendar, um just, you know, display on there, it won't show your appointments until you lift it up. So somebody who walks by you can't just see personal information, but just like a normal watch, you can see the time at any time. So it, it does, obviously that was one of the complaints about the series five was that it did affect battery life. And a lot of people actually just turn that feature off. The series six is supposed to get not only better battery life out of it, but the new chip which Apple calls the S6 is supposedly so much more efficient that the display the always-on display is actually two and a half times brighter than it was so it's actually useful <laughs> right so now the always-on display and the pulse ox sensor all of those are very cool things the the other thing that Apple did though that I think is worth mentioning especially in your situation is they introduced a brand new version of the Apple Watch called the Apple Watch SE. So, Apple has an iPhone SE. We bought two of them for our daughters. It's a lower end version of the phone. It has, uh, like on the phone, on the iPhone, it has the Touch ID instead of Face ID. It has the same processor, but it doesn't have the same camera. So it's a lower cost version. And Apple basically did the same kind of thing with the watch. The difference between the Apple Watch SE. And the Series Six is that the SE doesn't have the uh, always on display, and it doesn't have all those fancy sensors. So you said you don't care about those sensors because you don't want your watch to tell you how poor you sleep or whatever. Mm-hmm. Although I think it still does sleep tracking, but it doesn't have like the ECG, and it doesn't right. have the the pulse ox, and it's only two seventy nine.
1: Yeah. Um. So. Go ahead and ask your question because I feel like No, 99. I'm just curious. You yeah. paid what?
0: You said I think you said you paid 189 bucks for the series three. Right. Now there is actually a big difference between the series three and the series four, because the series four got a redesign. So the series four actually the screen takes up more of the face of the watch face. Um and it's quite a bit more powerful. So I guess the question is, is 90 would 98 bucks in waiting a little longer have been worth it to you?
1: Like I feel like I would either, like, okay, go with the three for the good price or go hard or go home because, like, the SE is something, may, like, I'm considering getting my son for his birthday slash Christmas. He'll be 13, and so I'm like, Apple, yeah, that's a good time to get an Apple Watch. Um, but for me, if I would be probably willing to shell out the extra money to get the things like the VO2 Max and the ECG, and those features are, um, and as well as, like, the pulse ox thing like it measures your oxygen saturation I'm really curious to see how accurate that is and how it really works because that's just that's well I guess if this little thing can do it that I have um when I got um when I got COVID I bought this little pulse oximeter because I was so anxious about you know being having any shortness of breath so I guess if this can do it the watch can do it um you guys can't see what I'm actually holding but if you've ever been to the hospital you know what a pulse oxometer is yeah, so it's the little
0: thing they stick on the end of your finger, and it usually takes your pulse and it measures your not blood oxygen. Now, the difference is, and the, one of the reasons, well, so currently Apple is not calling it a medical feature, okay? So they're saying oh, okay. it's a, like a wellness feature. And the reason is, if you call it a medical feature, it has to be certified in certain ways. And with the ECG, there are actually countries that they have the ECG turned off. Because they haven't been able to get that feature certified in those countries. And I think the same thing was probably true with the Pulse Ox because they just wanted to get it out. And so by calling it a wellness feature, they didn't have to do that. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it'll be any less accurate. The one difference is on the one you stick on your finger, it actually shines light all the way through your finger and then reads it on the other side. Yeah, I'm
1: looking at it right now.
0: But you know, watch it just shines the light in and it reflects back. Gotcha. We'll have to see. What we really interested is to stick one on your wrist and then stick that on your finger and find out, like,
1: right. Well, even like, yeah, even, yeah, that's what I would do. I've actually done that at the doctors before when they're like taking my pulse and doing my Apple Watch at the same time. And she was like, I just want to see how accurate it was. And the nurse was not amused, she just thought I was like playing around. But, um, actually, this, um, pulse ox thing I got from which right now my SpO it is 99 which is great uh, but um they uh, even say on the packaging of this walgreens thing i got for like 20 40 bucks that it's rec for
0: recreational
1: re- use so that must not be certified either like it's like go to the hospital if you want to if you're in dire distress basically
0: right but if the one you stuck on your finger said like 92 you'd no, to go to the hospital because you'd be like, that's pretty low.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right? And I, I would probably be feeling a shortness of breath, which during my two weeks with COVID, I never had shortness of breath, but I had a friend pick up a pulse ox for me and throw it on my porch. <laughs> so I just because I want I need it. helped me feel better knowing that I, my blood saturation, oxygen levels were whatever. were OK.
0: So this is how I explained it to my wife, because she, so my wife's actually a nurse And when she's at work, especially with me here with four children doing virtual learning, (laughs) that's what we call it. It's sometimes just chaos. Um, She wants to be available to us and she can't, she's on the floor in a hospital. She can't just pick up her phone, right? And she can't just be sending text messages, but if she had an Apple watch, she could easily see when we were trying to get a hold of her, and she could see if it was important and then decide to call us back. So, we actually were talking about this, and it, she was kind of having a hard time like, Well, I've never had one, and I've never really missed it. And I said to her that it's all of these features are things that you'll never know that you needed or wanted them until you actually have them. It's impossible to know what you don't know with one uh, because an Apple Watch is something completely different than what you've ever had. So my argument probably to you would be the same. The ECG. Okay. The pulse, obviously the series four doesn't have the pulse ox. So I don't have a clue, but all of those features that you have, they, you don't really understand the impact that they have on your life until you actually have them.
1: Right. Like I've never had
0: the always on display, but I'm sure that if I get a series six, I'm going to love it and be like, how did I ever wear a series four? See, <laughs> right? you it know, that, be garbage that
1: always on display does not appeal to me at all. And I'm like, but,
0: but it might if you actually used it.
1: I don't have a problem. I just I like that. I flick up my wrist. I don't want I don't know. Maybe I'd feel differently if I tried it. I, you know.
0: But what if you're in the kitchen and you're making dinner and your hands are full and you can't just lift your right? You can't just do that, but you need to see what time it is or whatever. You want to know how much time left on the timer that you just set, but being able to glance at it is totally different than, I don't know. I'm not trying to convince you or spend your money. I'm just suggesting. <laughs> okay, uh, yes, you want to spend all my money.
1: <laughs> that benefits you that, so much.
0: <laughs> that it's possible that there are features that may not on the surface seem like a useful thing, but once you have an opportunity to use them. Now, really, we're just talking about, like, for example, in your case, the series. 3 doesn't have a couple of the things that the um, SE or the 6 have. It doesn't have the emergency calling, right? Even if, it, it, which makes a big, big difference. It doesn't have the decibel counter. It doesn't have, you know, bigger capacity. There's like a lot of different things that it doesn't have. But again, coming from a Series 1, it probably doesn't really matter that.
1: Probably not, but I've always been, well, I won't say always because I'm less of, than I used to be, um, an early adopter of things, especially with technology. I think I'm, I was actually texting Jason as, he, as I was watching the Apple event. be like, wow, this is really like, bring me back to my former self of the like, super tech enthusiast. And I was talking about how when I worked at a startup and was in sales, uh, that we would like huddle around a projector and watch the, uh, watch the Apple event the events and we'd put the beta versions on our phones like for that was mostly for developers just because I was so into it and I'm like I've always been into technology just other parts of my life have taken over a little bit but it was like I felt really cool to like learn about all the all the new features and it made me think like damn it I should have waited I want to I want to buy this I want to buy this new one I started thinking about plans of how I would offset the cost <laughs> by either regifting my watch or selling it or whatever else <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm sure yeah, I totally I'm sure you're not the only person who's been having that same kind of thought. I will say this, this is my last argument for you. The S E and the Series Six have one feature that I feel like is designed just for you that the series three does not have, and that's fall Fall
1: detection. (laughs) Fall (laughs) detection.
0: I feel like that's an important I feel like that's an important thing for you. It won't stop me from
1: breaking my watch, but it will be like And I guarantee you 99% of the time I'd be like, it's like, no, I'm literally fine, but look at how my ankle bends. It doesn't even hurt. (laughs) But I'm sure the Apple Watch would be like, oh, it looks like you just fell. So that might become annoying. Who knows?
0: (laughs) Now, I will say, though, I have the Series 4, which has fall detection, and (laughs) we live in Michigan, and, and our driveway is not flat. It's significantly in elevation. And so when you take the trash out in the morning, twice... I have fallen on my butt. One time I thought I might have broke my arm. Oh. Clearly I did not. And my watch didn't care. It was oh. not concerned about <laughs> my well-being at all. So then there's that. But
1: I used to live in a house that I sold a couple of years ago that had an extremely elevated driveway. And you know, I live in Little Rock, so we don't get snow that much, but we will get ice and I would park at the bottom if I knew we were going to, but I can tell you how many times I've completely wiped out. I can't count how many times I've completely wiped out trying to get down my driveway. I usually have to, like, curve around the grass and, like, get all wet. But that was um, the main uh, reason why that house was on the market for two years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would do it. So, okay, so we we I feel like you're going to have to let us know what you decide. You won't have to let us know right now, but at some point we're going to want to circle back and hear if you made a decision regarding one of the new watches or what you decided to do with your old one. Maybe somebody who listens to this might want to buy your old one. I don't know. But Apple did introduce a couple other things, and it led to a thought process in my mind about the types of devices that we use working remotely. So Apple introduced updates the iPad got an update really wasn't that big a deal but the iPad Air got a huge update an update in some ways that is kind of confusing so the iPad Air now has the same form factor as the iPad Pro okay. now the iPad Pro is probably not the iPad most people are looking for when they buy an iPad it's you know starts at 800 bucks or whatever 749 I think but it has the flat sides it has no bezel, no home button, it has face id. The iPad Pro has face id. The Apple Pencil just sticks right to it. You can attach the smart keyboard or the magic keyboard to it. And anyway, it's it's different in a lot of ways than the iPad. Now the iPad Air has the exact same form factor and more importantly, they just put the brand new A14 processor in this iPad Air which means it has Apple's most advanced chip that they've ever designed, and they stuck it in this thing. And it it and because of the form factor, it now works with the Magic Keyboard, the Smart Keyboard, all of those accessories, and it works with the Apple Pencil. I've actually advocated a lot that the iPad Pro is one of the best devices for working remotely. So the iPad Air now is... In the same category as the iPad Pro was two years ago when I suggested it was one of the most ideal work devices. So I'm curious. I know that you use a MacBook Air, and I'll be honest, that iPad Air they just introduced is probably three times faster <laughs> than your laptop. So is it is it at all appealing to you? Is it something that makes you think, gosh, what what should I do?
1: Well, I have a question about that because I was thinking, I knew you were going to ask. Can you, can you connect it to an X-Monitor? Ex-
0: so you can, you, you, but it, yes, you can, ex- cause it has USB-C on it. So you can connect mm. it to any, um, essentially any HDMI capable. We won't get into, but yes, you can okay. absolutely do that. It'll even drive a 4k display. So there's that. So um,
1: yeah, yeah, I'm, I might. And it, especially in the light that it's more powerful, but I don't know that I'd spend $800 on it. Cause I, wounding in MacBook air if I traveled more
0: well now the iPad air uh, to be fair the iPad air starts at 599 the iPad pro starts at like 749 the, I, I, gotcha. if I if I confuse those two things my apologies but
1: I, so, I like bigger I'm just like maybe I'm old getting old school but like I'm accustomed to these bigger screens and it's so easy for me to you know pack up my little MacBook air and put it into any bag that I'm bringing with me I'm like i like still like a middle schooler carries a backpack around everywhere I go because I need all my crap. Uh, but I mean, I would try it as long. I think it'd be really great for someone who travels a lot. And I know that's not a big thing right now, but that'd be really easy to just pop that out. I was really impressed with some of the features. Like you can just write on there and it will fix your headline immediately. Uh, I, it looks really fast and sharp. I, something I'd really be interested in to like to, beta test or whatever. Um, and if I can connect it to, because what I basically do when I'm working is I have my MacBook um, Air connected to my nice big monitor and I have my research documents on one side and then I have like what I'm actually writing or working on another. And so sometimes I like to take a break like I am doing now and I come in here and I've got two big screens open and I have to, I, you know, I half the size of each screen. Um, So the big screen, I don't think that would be that would look very good or it'd be really hard to read on a MacBook Pro if I wanted to have all those tabs. I mean, sorry, on on an iPad, if I wanted to needed to have all those tabs open, I don't I think it could get a little dicey.
0: Okay, so here's the thing you just said that's really important. I'm glad you said it. And this is what I've argued. Quite a while, so I have the 2018. So this is the original iPad Pro. Now I'm holding it up and showing Jess right now. You guys can't see it, but this is essentially the exact same shape, size as the new iPad Air. In fact, the new iPad Air has a newer processor. There are a few things that the iPad Pro still has that the iPad Air doesn't have. We're not going to get into them because this is not like a gadget podcast, but I feel still really good about my iPad Pro. I wouldn't trade it for the iPad Air. That said, every time I've made an argument about the iPad Pro as being the ideal work device, it's because uh, it forces you to stop doing all the things you just said that you do. (laughs) And what I mean is, for writing, we're, we're both writers, and one of the most difficult things when you're writing is it's so easy to get distracted. And I'm, I'm looking at a, one of the new, I'm sitting right now at one of the brand new 27 inch IMAX. It's wicked fast. It has a great, huge, wonderful screen. And I have zoom in the front because that's how we're having this conversation, but there's probably 30 other things open right now on my computer. And it would be very easy if we weren't recording a podcast for me to just get lost in everything. But on my iPad, excuse me, on my iPad pro while you can multitask, it forces you to be a lot more intentional about how you multitask because it's smaller and it's running iPad OS, not Mac OS, so it doesn't let you do as many things at the same time. But I actually see that as a strength because it helps you to focus. I think it's it's really important to, for people to think about like the device you use. We often the habits that we have in the way that we work is. It's it's kind of – I guess it's in some ways similar to this. If you have a closet, you will fill the closet, right? It doesn't matter how big the closet is, right? You're going to fill it if it's a small closet or a big – and if you go from a really small closet to a really big closet – you will just fill it because you have the space, not because you needed more clothes.
1: It's kind of like more money, more problems. <laughs>
0: because okay. You're just
1: going to buy more crap. You
0: <laughs> OK, so you're just going to fill that closet. It's not that you needed that many clothes. It's just that you had the ability to do that. So the same thing is true on your MacBook Air with your external display. You have the luxury of having 100 things open and doing all these. So you just that's what, how you work because you can. But on right. an iPad, you can't. So what you are forced to do on an iPad is be intentional about what it is that you're doing. And I actually think that that's a strength, especially for someone who writes. In fact, so we're both used to using Google Docs, for example, which you can absolutely do on an iPad. I don't recommend using the Google Docs app. Google, if you're listening, your iPad apps are terrible. It's actually better (laughs) to use it in the browser. I'm just throwing that out there. But um I don't even do that on an iPad. I use an app called Ulysses because it's just a writing app. And so I'm only focused on writing when I'm using that app. And yeah, sometimes I have to like switch to something else for some research and stuff. But I actually see the ability or I actually see the limitation on what you're able to do at the same time as a benefit. Now,
1: no, Yeah, I agree with you on that uh, because I get I'll get distracted easily by things like I always make sure. I try to like I close out my Facebook or whatever because I don't want to see if someone's messaged me or if they tagged me in something or whatever. Unless it's you, of course, then I'll see it on my <laughs> phone of or my uh, like, I, I watch. I, and I use the Google, I use the browser version uh, even on my, on my MacBook Air for Google Docs because I try to limit, since it's not as powerful in 2015. I try to limit the amount of apps, actual apps I have open at this at one time because it will slow down my machine. So that's why I just do most things in the yeah. browser. Like in Gmail, I just use my browser. Um, I used to be really big on having an app for everything on my MacBook and I'm I'm not that way anymore.
0: Yeah. And I will say that, right, I, I have a 27 inch iMac sitting on my desk and for things like editing video or editing podcasts or uh, any of that kind of stuff. There are certainly things that are easier to do on a more on a powerful desktop computer. I'm not making that argument, but most people aren't editing podcasts or editing video. So they probably don't. They don't really need that. And, they, and if you're trying to figure out how to be more productive, sometimes the key to being more productive is to do less things.
1: True, true. And here's my bottom line on this. I would I would like to have one, but it would be an addition to my computer unless I found that it started to make my computer obsolete, like the barracks and organ Trail. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because um, I would want to have both. I'm not, I wouldn't feel secure enough just to ditch my computer. Like I would want to bring it to the doctor's office. I have to get, um, I have a medical thing where I have to get an infusion every couple months. And so I just sit there in this nice, comfortable chair and snacks. And I like, sure, I could bring my iPad there and start writing or editing or doing whatever I wanted to. But i at home, I still feel the most secure using my current setup, and this is just making me feel like I'm getting so old because I'm not open to change, but I think i would i would be open to change if I could try both at the same time rather than just going gung ho yeah i'm ipad um iPad air Pro hundred percent
0: Well, I think you actually bring up a good point though so I think the temptation though often for people is hey new tech new thing i should probably check it out because it'll make my life better if you have a system or a process that works it's possible that there might be a way to make it work better but but you could also lose a lot of productivity spending time trying to find the perfect pro. you know the perfect system and and that's not helpful right it it took (laughs) i don't think my wife will ever listen to this podcast Honey, if you do, I'm sorry, but let me just say this. (laughs) Well, we have four children that we're trying to school, you know, do virtual learning with, so we're fairly busy. But I will say this. It took us a year to pick a color for carpet when we were replacing carpet (laughs) upstairs because there were too many options. Right. Right. There was just too many possibilities. goes back to that
1: analysis paralysis I was talking about.
0: And the irony is we had like eight samples in our house for a year. And when we went back to finally pick one, we picked a completely different color that we had never had a sample of. So anyway. (laughs) We could have made that decision. My point there was not just to throw my wife under the bus. It was to say that you could spend a lot of time thinking about what should I buy, what should I do, but you would lose all the time being productive with what you already have if you spent all your time trying to figure out something else. So I don't think that necessarily everyone should just run out and buy something, but I do think it's worth considering. And I can't even remember exactly the title but i wrote an article specifically about this i'll i'll add a link to it in the show notes just for people who can, who want to tell me why i'm wrong i'm totally fine with that <laughs> you can send me messages on twitter at jason and just tell me why you think i'm wrong it happens all the time and i'm okay with that but on your mac or on your phone the devices that you do use let's talk for just a minute about what some of the tools that you use that you find help you stay organized
1: uh was well, coming from like one of the least organized people. It's like people will look at my phone if they see my phone screen open and they see all my notifications and they'll be like, I don't know how you live that way. And I'm like, I know where everything is. Don't even get off my back. <laughs> like, and just because they can see like how many emails I have. Like right now it's showing I have 7,992 emails. But that's because I don't check my work email hardly ever because we use Slack.
0: Hold on. Is that the, the number of unread messages you have?
1: Correct oh uh, see I people see this, I, things like that and they're like freak out they see all these red things and i'm like you know what i have i have everything categorized in a way that works for me i have like i make um pages like i like to make them funny like i have one uh block called Socialites, and that's all my social media stuff I have one called "Listen Here." Uh, I have one called "Wine and Dine." I have "Time Travel" for all my phone and Airbnb apps. I have um, "Bane of Existence," which is my email.
0: <laughs> so these are just the names of your folders.
1: Yeah, that's what I've I've named my folders. <laughs> one, um, I have "Picture That" for all my picture apps. <laughs> so, um, or "Stream This," um, "Hammer Time" for all my music apps. So. Anyway, I went off the rails there a
0: little bit. <laughs> That's all right. So, but
1: things that make me um help make me productive. I'm I'm not super organized, but I really like to try new things. So, I like um I'll do do not disturb, especially for certain text group messages that are, are just a bunch of banter from my really weird friends who are like I called them. I called them a sick group yesterday. So <laughs> let's let's
0: hope they don't listen to the podcast. Actually, we want them to. So no, say they, nice they will.
1: I say, <laughs> nice things. When uh, I said, well, I said this is a sick group, and I said this has been established for a long time. Was the response? But, right. Um, I use Google Calendar blocks sometimes. Like I'll say, like this is time, like writing time, so no one else can schedule time over that because that's like one that to be my deep focus time. Um, I use my. Um, my timer on my Echo device. I meant to unplug her before I came in here, but I didn't. Um, I use the timer. I'll say, or I'll, or I'll tell myself like, and I can say even set a timer for. But like, get to this many words before you take a break. I did that for an article I was working on. I was like, let me. I think this article is going to be around two thousand words. Once I get to one thousand words, I'm going to call it a good stopping place. And I'm telling you, the last hundred words took me half an hour. Uh, I use things like um task task management tools like Trello. I've tried the Pomodoro technique where you work for a certain amount of time and you don't work for a certain amount of time. Um, and I've even tried, I don't like it that much, um, the Google Tasks that go right next to your calendar. I ended up turning that off because I just didn't really enjoy it. But I'd really be interested to hear what kinds of things you use to stay organized because I view you as a more organized person than myself maybe it's because he used to be my boss
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's true um I don't well the part about being your boss I don't know about the part about being more organized uh I will say that I having having worked remotely I had to force myself to come up with the systems that because I don't I don't like trying to come up with the process i'm much very much a creature of habit so once i have something that works for me i you know i try to do that so i i like dedicated tools that do like maybe one thing but then i like it when i can connect them all together if that makes sense so for example i for task management i use things I don't know if you're from, it's, you know, you, cause you can use it on your Mac. You can use it. On, it syncs to my iPhone. It syncs to my iPad. In fact, probably the only thing I don't like about things is that you have to buy a separate version for each of those devices. But once you do, you know, they all sync together. They just use your iCloud account. So anywhere I'm at, I can, I can add a to do right on my iPhone, and then I can organize them later. And I, I go through that every morning, and I create my list for today of these are the things I want to get through. See, right, So it's that, a task list.
1: That's really annoying to me that you have to buy it when there are so many free task management tools available.
0: Yes, but the difference is this one is better.
1: I'm going to have to look at it now because I actually i am not familiar with it. Like, I still have, I get, maybe it's because I'm a writer, but I've always been this way. I like to have a sheet of, or a notebook next to me where I write things down and take notes. Like, you saw that picture I took on the, it's actually on the back of my son's cross-country schedule of notes I was making while I watched <laughs> the Apple event. There's something still about having some paper there. And then I'll, like, open a drawer and find all these notes of papers, which I could easily use, like, something like stickies on my computer or whatnot and delete them. But there's something cathartic and really helpful about that to me as far as task management.
0: Yeah. And so for a long time, in fact, when I was your boss, I did all of my to-do lists and stuff on paper, you know, in like a moleskin notebook. And I still take notes and stuff in here. But I figured something out. I taught just like I said, I like it when things connect together. So for example, I use an email program called spark. Okay. So it's, you know, instead of using the default mail app on my Mac or on my iPhone, I use spark. And the reason is if I'm, if I have an email message on my phone that I need to do something with, I can just uh, auto like send it to things. I can, I can send that email by swiping over to things and it will automatically create a to do right. I can create a deadline for it. It'll copy the body of the email. I could do the same thing with Trello. So if somebody emailed me, if I was emailing somebody about interviewing them for the podcast, I could just send it to Trello and, and have that right. right I do. I do
1: like that. I like that. Because especially when you work with people in a lot of different time zones, like I work with, um, I have a research assistant who's in the Philippines. So like I like I'll get messages like late at night when they're working, and if I could just send that to one central place, all of my things to do. Okay, I'm gonna check out things. All right, I'll,
0: I'll yeah, give a look. and I would agree. Uh, I don't love that you have to pay for each version. It would be really nice if they would do something about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that I'm not the only person who's had that thought. So I'm sure that they've heard that feedback before. But if you're listening, things help us out um but to me it's worth it because i don't always carry my moleskin like with me but i do have my phone with me so it will remind me when i have s- certain things i need to do it also has a app on my watch and in fact it's one of the complications that i have so like whoops that's the weather and so like i can see the things that i'm supposed to be doing and it also gives me a progress indicator so on my home you know screen of my watch I can see how close I am visually to completing all the things I said I was going to do today. So I I like things. Be, I still really like writing things on paper in a notebook. And that's generally where I capture thoughts and ideas, but I've gotten to a point where when I turn them into a task list, I do that with things mostly because it allows me to pull and connect From, with. Yeah. I like that. That is cool.
1: Good. Like all the different tools that we use are so helpful, but sometimes I feel like I get up in the morning and I have to check 18 million different places to look for all my notifications. So that does seem kind of cool.
0: Yeah. And so and the funny thing is for writing, I I use something that's like the opposite. I use Ulysses and all it does is writing, right? There's nothing fancy about it. it. It does have Markdown so you can use include formatting. But when I'm writing an article, I use, I just use Ulysses so I can write it. Now, it allows you to create different notebooks and different sections. And so I might have like a research notebook so I can just type like when I'm watching an Apple keynote, I'm just typing just thoughts, right? Oh, they said this, they did this, they did this, they did this. Then I'll take all that and I'll go later and I'll actually write an article. But again, Ulysses syncs between my iPhone, my Mac and my iPad. And I do a lot of my writing on my iPad, but I do a lot when I upload an article to my column at ink, I do that usually from my computer. It's just a little bit easier because the CMS, the content management system there is a little bit wonky. It just behaves better on my Mac. But guess what? The article I wrote on my iPad, it's just there. Right. It's just it's right there. I just copy and paste into the CMS. I've got all my formatting, my H2s, all that kind of stuff right there. So I really like Ulysses. It's also a paid app. Why don't I just use Google Docs?
1: I was gonna I was about to ask you that because it also syncs to all my devices. And yes, I can I mean, do, if, and I can edit that. I can edit and write offline if I'm not on Wi-Fi. So.
0: Well, yeah, and, and in fairness, like when we create a list of things that we want to talk about, I we do that in Google Docs. Why? Because it is a lot better for collaboration. It's much mm. better for, hey, let's leave comments or w- let's work on the same document. Google Docs does that better than honestly anything I've used. But when it's just for me writing that process, I need, the real reason is Google Docs is in my web browser. And if it's in my web browser, there's a pretty good chance I'm going to get distracted by something else in gotcha. my web browser. <laughs> I'll see the bookmarks that are up there and be like, oh, I should, uh, yeah. I should check my email. Yeah. Or, oh, I was going to go and do this other thing. And, oh, Or, whatever. oh,
1: I have 18 Slack messages. <laughs> yeah.
0: Let's see how many people listen to the podcast or any of those things. Whereas when I'm in Ulysses, that's it. I'm just I'm hyper hyper
1: focused on yeah, what, on your writing. task at hand. Okay. Yeah.
0: That's cool. So I don't know. I don't know if that answers your question. I mean, I, I also, the other last thing I was going to say is a tool that I still use every day is Dropbox. And mm-hmm. I, because I love being able to, and I, I literally, I keep nothing in the documents folder on my Mac. I keep it all in Dropbox, everything. I I have to pay for the larger Dropbox because I have like 400 gigs of stuff in there and I can't even keep it all on on my laptop. But again, any file I ever want to get to, I can just get it on my iPad, I can get it on my phone, I can get it on my Mac. When when you finish when we finish recording this, you can just drop something in the recorded folder, right? And right. I have a, almost yeah. instant access to it. Does Google Drive do the same thing? Yes. But Dropbox is faster, and mm-hmm. in my opinion, like this, it's it's even easier to use. Does iCloud do the same thing? Yes, and I already have an iCloud account. But still, for, for me, for collaborating with myself, that's not really a thing, but across <laughs> my devices if or you collaborating You have like multiple
1: with, personalities.
0: <laughs> but I have multiple <laughs> devices, so I'm <laughs> collaborating with myself across devices. Or just this morning, I was actually working on a, a postcard that I was designing for someone, and I was able to just share a link with them. Because it was too large to email and they were able to just download it directly on their device without having to go through like email kind of
1: thing. Yeah. I'm a big, I mean, just in general proponent of keeping everything on the cloud. Like kids now, they all use Google Classrooms, they have Chromebooks, but like going back and forth between houses, um, you know, we're a split family. I don't know what you call it anymore. Over 50% of families. (laughs) So like whether they bring their Chromebook over the weekend or not and they have homework, I can just... We can dial into their Google on any device we have. They don't have to haul these devices around everywhere. I'm like, we have three computers at home. We can no need to bring them back and forth. All right. Do we want to talk about our last thing about schedule? Yeah. And I, I like this one. I don't know if you saw my comments on it, but we're very different yeah. in the way we schedule our time. So this should be <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. So
0: let's talk about how we how how we schedule and how we block our time.
1: Um, I'm I'm a little I'm pretty unconventional. So and this is interesting, because having worked with Jason, I know that he is a morning person, he gets up at like 5am. And I used to see him like make comments on my articles like at four or something. And I'm like, God, is his bed not comfortable? (laughs) Like, Why is he awake? But uh, I'm a big night owl. Like what happened to me last night, I went to sleep super early and i woke up at 3am just wide awake and i tried to go back to sleep but i couldn't after like an hour so i decided i'm going to just go watch some tv and get back to sleep and i really should just use that time to work if i'm wide awake and then i could sleep later in the morning if i wanted to um, and you know i mentioned this a little bit on the last podcast um, like some people like to they have to get showered even if you're working remotely and you're used to be but you're used to being in an office or even if you've always worked remotely some people like to shower and you know do their hair or get dressed before they sit down at their computer, and I'm not like that. I wake up with wake up fresh with ideas, and I just want to go take my what is coincidentally just about 29 steps as well <laughs> to my desk, and I want to start working. And when I want to take, and then when I, when I'm ready to take a break, then I'll take a shower if I, because I'm a big proponent of like working in segments, and I don't have a big always a big schedule for my day. I know what I want to accomplish that day. Um, and once I know I've gotten to that point, that's when I feel comfortable, like, you know, signing out, logging off, whatever, which is really different than if, than if you're in an office and every, you know, all eyes are on
0: you. Right. And I think, so in fairness, yes, I do off. Well, I get up almost every day by five o'clock. So and I really am glad that I do. I My most productive time every day is between 5 and maybe 7.30 in the morning. And But I will say that the reason that that happened for me, it was intentional, but it was also out of necessity. So we have four kids, right? And, and there was a window of time. I, I really like mornings, and I like them to be by myself. And so if I wanted to get anything done in the morning by myself, I had to get up before everybody else got up. We have four children. There's six of us in this house. And what would normally happen at our house, because I work from home, the kids all got up at like seven twenty or whatever. And from then until maybe eight thirty till they got on the bus, it was like chaos. Right. Making lunches and getting backpacks and doing hair and feeding them breakfast and making sure everybody's brushed their teeth and has everything that they're supposed to have. And my wife, as I mentioned, is a nurse, and so she works 13 hour days. She leaves by six o'clock on the days that she works, which meant oftentimes like I'm doing all those things by myself and if I wanted to have anything done my day wasn't going to start till like nine o'clock right and for a long time when I was your editor I was I was an editor managing a team with staff writers and freelancers and there was had research assistants but I was also still writing my column and so balancing those things and as you know although it's probably not hopefully as bad for a writer, as an editor, my day was mostly meetings. Right. right. It was meeting with people. And so I wasn't going to get anything done. And the other thing... Yeah, if I didn't get up early. Then the other thing for me, and as a writer, this is probably true for you, writers are creatures of habit, right? You condition your brain to do certain things at certain times. And so from five to seven is when I get stuff done. Now, the other thing that happens is I actually... Get up. So I publish a column every day. I manually publish it at four o'clock in the morning because I'm OCD. <laughs> I can schedule it, but sometimes when I schedule them, things happen. We won't even get into that right now. But I get up every day at four o'clock, and often I'll just stay up because if I go back to sleep, I'm not going to want to get up at five. Like this morning, I got yeah. up at four, published a published two pieces and then just started working because I knew that life was going to be crazy around here because our kids don't go to school anymore. They do school, but it's in the next room. And so if, if I'm going to get anything done, the most important things I want to get done, I have to get done in the morning. And like you, I really like breaking my day into, into two segments. I like having a set amount of time, different pieces of time and know this is what I'm going to do during this time so that I'm not, I block, I, I used to call it chunking, <laughs> chunk, chunk your time. People think that's weird, but it's memorable, right? But like from five to eight in the morning, this is where I can do deep focus work. It's where I can think, I can write, I can edit. And I also use that time to to sort of map out the rest of my day because there may not be any other time during the day where I'm going to get that focus time so right right then in the morning between like 8 and 11 it might be meeting time but this is like where I'm crossing things off my list right just checking tasks off I need to check slack I need to do this I need to do that and then by the mid-afternoon I'm pretty much done by the time we record this podcast this will be the last thing my bird well, I was gonna say
1: to if you're up that early but I'm like <laughs> you know some and there has even been some research that shows like the early bird doesn't always get the worm it can be different for different people uh, like, some creative types work better at night. Sometimes I just really like to write at night. Like, I start getting a thought, and I'm like, okay. And I'm the kind of person that will keep a notebook next to my bed and have been known to take one out in public just because I want to, like, write down what I have going on. But you know what? That just made me think about how different our lives are. Um, well, our schedules are maybe. Like, at four, my kids are going to school in person. Your kids are at home in the next room. At four o'clock this morning, you may have been up publishing something. Well, I was having insomnia and watching Netflix. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's so it's so different. Like what I'll do if um, I'm getting the kids ready for school is say, like you know we're uh, their their school is like thirty miles away, so um, I will be up and I'll like be doing breakfast and you know making sure they have everything they need. My my son who just started junior high has to bring like a million different things. And now they have to bring fully charged Chromebooks and I'll do all of that at like 6am and then go back to sleep. Cause I do not want, I'm just, I'm not conditioned to be up that early and I'll sleep for, you know, another hour or so, but I'm just, the morning thing is never going to, but oh, here's a question I had for you though. You're up by 5am most days. What time do you go to sleep?
0: So, okay. So my goal is to be in bed by nine every day, and my favorite moment of the day is when we tuck the fourth kid in bed and like it's quiet in the house. Oh my
1: god, my kids aren't even in bed by nine. Oh uh,
0: well, they, we said. I mean, our kids, my kids are younger. We have some younger kids, so we start putting them to bed at eight o'clock, and if I can be in bed and if I was in bed at nine, I could be asleep at nine Oh two. Like I, I put my head on the pillow and I can fall asleep. (laughs)
1: Yeah, We're like nine o'clock here. Like let's, we're watching our shows or whatever. We're like, Oh, it's still early.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know. I I get it. I, and I used to be that way, but it, and I don't have any problem with the evenings except for that I'm tired because I get up so early, but I really love, starting and and I I just, that feeling of starting before anybody getting a head start is addictive to me. No, I (laughs) could definitely see that. So so I, I, um, so I'm going to put this in the show notes. I'll send you a copy just, just because I don't think you've ever seen this, but because we're talking about the schedule, it occurred to me, uh, that, I actually detailed my whole schedule in an ebook. It's totally free. It's just the complete guide to working remotely, everything you need to know to be productive working from home. I'll put a link so you can people can download that if they want. It's totally free. There's no charge. You just download it. It's like thirty pages of just productivity tools, finding the right gear, coming up with a schedule that works. Different collaborative tools that you can use all that kind of stuff. So I'm I'll I'll link to that because I I imagine that there are probably a lot of people in this, in a situation either like yours or like mine or somewhere in between where they're trying to juggle all these different things And when you work from home? You can't just sit at a desk from eight to five. You have to figure out how you're going to make that work. So I'll definitely add that. So, all right. Any final thoughts?
1: Um, One final thought for all the people that are working remotely and aren't used to it. um, Self-care is super important. Like, especially if your kids are home too, take a break, go, you know, sit down, eat lunch away from your computer, um, go get some coffee. There have been times, um, where there was just too much going on around me and I couldn't focus and I just got up and I went and I took, uh, like a walk, a 10 minute walk around the neighborhood. Um, you know, take a break. Uh, I have five cats, so sometimes I'll take a break and I'll play with a pet, but don't become a slave to your desk because that's easy to do when you're not around other people Um, it's been interesting for me because my fiance works right behind me now because he's still out of the, um, their office still hasn't opened and I actually have someone that I can have conversations with and it almost made me reminiscent of when I worked in an office and I would take a break to go play ping pong or whatever. So self-care don't, when you're at work, find other things to do besides just work. And I know that sounds like don't work. (laughs) But it actually makes you better, I think, if you take intentional, intentional breaks and build a schedule.
0: I think you're totally right. I, and I have two self care tips. <laughs> the first one is I love what you said about the cats. But <laughs> I, it's getting a little bit cooler now. So not as much. But all summer long, I start my day out on the on our back deck, and I'd have meetings out there. You and I used to have our meetings later in the day by the time it was a little too hot. So I wasn't out there as often. But I'd start in our dog, we have a one-year-old Labradoodle who's sleeping right there. Um, She'd be out there with me, and every once in a while I'd just she'd come up with a stick because she wants me to throw it, and Aww. it would be my reminder I should get up and I should just do something else, and so I'd just throw sort of a stick for five minutes, and it was like the best thing because it was just her and I. Nobody else is around. Everybody else is sleeping.
1: Wait, your Apple Watch but doesn't tell you to get up? And did
0: throw the, dog for the <laughs> throw the stick for the dog? No, it doesn't, but I probably could set a reminder, but I don't need to because – Dogs are even more of a creature of habit. She just knows it's been an hour. I should go see dad and he'll get up and throw a stick. That's the first one. And then the second one, believe it or not, my suggestion is, it's or my, let this be permission that it's okay to take naps. Oh <laughs> my God. Like, I would like take, just,
1: no, no, no. Uh, you're it right. Sounds like
0: I'm, it sounds like I'm just saying this because I get up way early, but here's the thing. And this is legitimately an Apple watch thing for me. I have on my watch face, Just can attest to this, the timer complication, whoops, you can't see it. There you go. And it's set automatically. My default is three minutes. And the reason is I take a nap, but I take a nine minute nap, but I set my timer for three minutes and then I snooze it two times. Right. I restart to, because for me, that's like the perfect, a nine minute nap is like the perfect amount of time. But if I just try to go to sleep, for nine minutes I won't want to wake up but it by having it like interrupt me I never get into like deep deep sleep where I would feel groggy afterwards it's like perfect somebody once told me that the perfect amount of nap during the day is if you laid on the couch and you held your arm out with keys in it when the keys hit the floor you should get up right that that's how I mean I can't imagine
1: being able to fall asleep in nine minutes we're so different when it comes to sleep like (laughs) I'm not going to take a nap unless I've like I don't take them every once in a while I'll say I'm going to have a nap for lunch (laughs) (laughs) but like it take unless I have at least an hour I'm not even going to attempt it because I don't fall asleep that quickly I'm every you don't want to be in this head there's so many things that's going on i need like drugs and stuff to sleep sometimes but like, i'm just like,
0: i'm just saying naps are your friend and shorter naps are better during yeah the day. well if you're
1: like jason take <laughs> nine minute naps if you're like me save them for a rainy weekend <laughs>
0: there you go okay so uh, that's a good place to stop yeah <laughs> we're gonna leave it with the naps Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week. We have actually a very special episode coming next week, an interview. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but it'll appear on Monday. You don't have to do anything different. It'll just show up. We've got a couple of other really great interviews lined up, so I hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already, and we will talk to you again next week.
1: Way to leave them hanging there. Maybe they'll Uh, they'll, they'll come on and find out who it is. I I mean, I know who it is. It's pretty cool, so you should definitely log on
0: and listen. I totally agree, so... (laughs) All right. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon.